the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by NBA Futures analyst Brandon Anderson. This is the big picture. We're doing a Sunday night episode. We're going to just go through what we learned from game one of the NBA playoffs. Talk about the matchups. We'll talk about bettable angles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How we play these series, how we play futures, et cetera. Brandon, do you want to start in reverse order and go backwards? Or do you want to start at the beginning of the weekend and go forwards? Which one do you want to do? Let's start at the beginning and go forward. This to me, this is the best weekend in the NBA. We get all the game ones. It's it's like opening eight new presents. We got to find out something new about every series. So let's just do it in order. And what we found out is that the Utah Jazz do not want to give Rudy Gobert the fucking ball ever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever. Uh, I had the same game parlay. Jazz money line because they didn't want any part of the spread. Uh, Rudy Gobert over rebounds. Easy. No problem. Smoked it. You know, the switch style. I'm going to play that one again in game two. And then Rudy Gobert over 14 and a half points. Now, I would have lived with just like 12 points. I would have honestly, that's the thing is like, I, I would have been, I would have been more okay if it just gotten close. Him getting one damn shot attempt. They just will not give him the ball. It's absolutely crazy to me. It's very infuriating. I'm going to be on the rebounds over again, but I'll just tell you right now, Brandon, uh, Mavericks went to five to one and I bet the Mavericks to win the series. I went ahead and I said that I was going to do that after this game. The Luka Doncic injury updates are not what I wanted to hear. Obviously, like you wanted to hear like, oh, he could have played. It was real close, but he just couldn't get there. Um, I decided the five to one was worth it based off of the idea that I like the way that the Mavericks played in general. Um, there's this idea of, of like, the Jazz can't possibly play worse than that game. Challenge accepted. This is the Jazz. Uh, I still like the matchup. I think Luka comes back for game three. They won both games on the road last year, lost both games at home to the Clippers. We've seen them do this before. I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but there's enough variables in there that it was worth it for me to go ahead and make a small, not substantial, but a small bet on Mavericks plus 500 to win the series. Do you feel like the Mavs have to win game two to Pay off your bet. No, I don't. Um, I can legit because you want to know one reason. Uh, the Jazz in 2020 lost four in a row. The Jazz in 2021 lost four in a row. So, or lost them. Sorry, they lost three in a row in 2020. They lost four in a row in 2021. So, like, here's the problem with Utah when you figure them out, that's it. There's no counter. There's no, okay, well, I guess we're going to have to go small. They're just going to do what they're going to do. And there's a lot of ways, I think, for Dallas to, to get better at what on how to attack Utah. And even if Utah has better offensive performances, I think the Mavericks can do enough to attack them um, to be able to win this series, especially if Luka comes back in game three. I don't think that they're doomed unless it goes down 0-3. Yeah, I think Dallas's defense was really successful in this game. I mean, obviously, because Utah didn't score a lot of points here. Uh, we talked a lot about the over-under on this game, 192 points, obviously, even as the, the bottom dropped out on that total, what would it drop like 10 or 11 from opening? And it still went under by double digits. So I think the under still is, is the direction to go here, especially while Luca's out. We know the Mavs are going to have a hard time scoring. They just don't have enough other weapons out there. But like the whole thing we talked about with Dallas, 
is your it's perimeter defense. You're running them off the three point line. The Jazz had no three pointers until almost halftime in this game. Like they were 0 for 8 a couple of minutes before the half. I think they hit one or two finally. And like both teams shot terribly, so they're going to make a few more shots going forward. But the Jazz took 61 two pointers in this game. That their season average is 47. Yeah. That's what Dallas wants. Dallas wants you to take that many twos, especially when Rudy Gobert gets only one of those. Not to rub salt in the wound, but like at least if it's that many twos, you're like, oh, well, it's because they're mashing the offensive glass and they're getting all these putbacks. No, no. They're just not getting threes or good twos. They're they're getting those bad shots in the middle, and that's why they're not scoring. So I came away less confident about the jazz in the series, less confident about the jazz in life. <laughs> so one. yeah, the jazz plus 19 on the glass, only 34 rebounds for Dallas is a problem. You were right. By the way, I did not think it was going to be a good idea to push and Dallas really pushed Dallas tried to get out and move fast where they could. And you were right for the reason, which is they just need to find points somehow And trying to push and and get points, it wasn't really working great. They had moments. But, well, let me ask you this. I I guess you already answered the question with how you bet. But I was going to ask, do you feel better about the Jazz or the Mavericks after that? I assume you feel better about the Mavericks. I feel about the same. I don't feel necessarily like, I guess here's the thing. If this was plus 300, like it was, I think, at, at close, I'm not betting it, right? Like, which you kind of would expect that, like, all right, it's plus 300. They lost a game without Luca. You know, they were, they were underdogs in that game, but no, um, it goes to plus 500. Five to one's enough for me. Like, just for me personally, with where I put the series, five to one is a good enough um, return for me, at least before game two. Like I said, I would have gone harder on plus 500 if it was like, if Luca had gone through shoot around. And it was like, oh, he was, you know, he might have been able to, but couldn't do it. But it sounds like he's definitely, he's definitely gonna miss game two, and game three is is up in the air. the The signals are very mixed out of Dallas, and that's been uh, frustrating, and that's part of it. Look, if Luca doesn't play in this series, do I feel dead in the water? Probably, probably. Is it gonna stun me if the Mavericks win game two? No, it's not gonna stun me at all. I'm not. That was part of the reason that I bet the five hundred, the plus five hundred was. I thought to myself. Do I still feel like the Mavericks can win if they lose game two? Yes. Do I feel like there's a chance the Mavericks can win game two? Yes. So like both of those scenarios being in play was enough to get me a plus 500. Um, I, this is why I love betting is I, I like that there, we can talk about this from a, is there better value on this at five to one relative to your expectation rather than who's going to win? I'm like, I don't, is Jalen Brunson going to shoot like garbage again? Is Rudy Gobert ever going to shoot the ball ever again? Is Donovan Mitchell going to get completely swallowed up by DFS who played an amazing game defensively? Like all of these questions I think are, are in play. Um, we should move on, but I did want to comment, comment on like two rotation changes. I think that need to happen um, for Dallas in particular, like Bertans was plus four, but they picked on him a lot defensively. Um, and then Josh green was a net zero and he was a guy that they just left wide open. Now it's and like he was, he was a walking foul too. Yeah. So I think that the, the mass probably got to go to a shorter rotation, which I think is tougher when you're missing your superstar. Um, they need, uh, they need more from, from Brunson and Dimwitty. That's obvious. Yeah. I think those guys will also settle down a little bit, just a little bit. So yeah, 
The, the um, one thing, I, the, the one other thing that worries me for Dallas, the Mavs got 34 free throws in this game. Utah follows least in the entire NBA. They are not going to give you 34 free throws again. So that's that's part of why I still like the under. Mm-hmm. So I think what did game, game one did it open at 219 and it got down to like 208 by tip. We're at 205 and a half right now for game two, which is an absurdly low number for the modern NBA. But just you're, you're going to get like half of those free throws in this game. We know both teams will probably hit more threes. The Jazz will hit more threes, but not a ton of them. That's just what the profile of this game is. So I think that that helps your Mavs bet because I think we're just going to not get a lot of points. And yeah. you, if you're Dallas, you want the rock fight at this point, especially with Luca out. But I, I still lean under here. I bet the over, and it was a bad, it was a bad move by me. Like I bet the over. I was just like, oh, there'll be enough three pointers in this game to offset the inefficiency, and they'll be all perimeter oriented because it. This is a frustrating thing is everybody was like, man, the Mavs don't want any part of the paint with Gobert in there. They're so scared. I'm like, guys, they have the 30th ranked rim rate. In the <laughs> not <league."> what they do. <laughs> like the Mavericks don't want to shoot layups. That's not what they do. Um, the reason that it was, it was a bad cap was I know that switching defenses makes it harder to create open threes. Like I know that. So why am I betting that Utah is going to be able to put up a big, uh, their same no- like the idea really was like oh Utah will be able to create the same number of threes versus the exact defense that the reason that it messes with them is it takes away the threes like that was just a bad cap by me so I shouldn't have bet that um let's go to the second game of the weekend which I'm trying I'm not victory lapping I'm not going to get ahead of myself staying reserved can we can, can we get a can we get a, a wolves howl from you at least no not yet not yet. Maybe after game three, uh, I took the Wolves in the series. I bet them outright and plus one and a half on the series spread line. Wolves get the win in Memphis in impressive fashion, leading for basically the entirety of the game. 130 to 117. The only thing I got wrong in this was I had too much faith in the Wolves to be able to slow the pace down. However, however, I did want to note this. I looked this up, actually. Um the pace was 108 in the first quarter, Brandon. 108 in the first quarter. It was 104 the rest of the game and 101 in the second half. So I like the Wolves more now, not because they won the game, but you could tell as the game went on, my entire thing on the preview was like, hey, the half court's going to be a problem for Memphis and, and the Wolves are way better in it. The Wolves in that second half were like, we don't have to run. Like we don't have to, we, we can just get buckets versus this team and we can just like, we can win a slug fest with them. And that realization was huge. Jaw has 15 in the first quarter. He goes three of 13 for 17 points in the second through the fourth quarter. Um, there's a bunch to get into here. Give me what you learned from the series. I learned that we need to take a moment of silence for all of my D'Angelo Russell over props for the series oh. because holy cow. And, and, and that's not even necessarily like, like it wasn't a good game for Russell, but the problem is the whole angle on D'Angelo Russell was Steven Adams plays drop. We're going to get all these open jumpers. Steven Adams was terrible in this game. He was minus 15 at half. And basically got like nerfed out of the rotation. Like if he would have played even less, if Jaron Jackson wasn't in constant foul trouble in that game, Brandon Clark was awesome for them. If Clark keeps playing that well, 
And Jackson actually was a really, really good defense. I think he had seven blocks in the game. Really good on defense. I think three of his fouls came on the offensive end, on the glass and, and offensive fouls. So to me, you know, Adams finishes three rebounds, four assists, no points, four fouls in 24 minutes. I think Adams is quickly getting pushed down in the rotation. I would be putting Adams out maybe to match Nas Reed minutes more so. It's not working against the starters here, which is a big problem and immediately favors Minnesota. But if that's where this is headed, then all the good stuff we said about D'Angelo Russell and the threes and the jumpers and all of it, it's all gone. It's all gone, gone, gone. But from a serious standpoint, I think that that, that was one of the big keys we said, and that is right now tilted heavily in Minnesota's favor, I think. I don't think you're dead yet. Here's why. When I went back and watched, they changed their coverage on Russell from the regular season. They played higher. They sent more help and they stayed attached to him. They really fought over screens. Like you could tell that that was the whole, that like our whole thing was like, oh, this is what Russell did in the regular season. Taylor Jenkins, funny enough, also noted that that's what D'Angelo Russell did in the regular <laughs> season. But because Ant had that big game, it's very likely that they are going to have to be like, okay, we got to shift back on the other way and we got to make sure that we contain Ant and that's going to open up probably D'Lo some. So I, I will probably nibble on the three-point line again on, on D'Lo despite losing a lot on his prop on Saturday. Um, they're in trouble with the bigs. I have a surprising number for you because I thought this would not be the case. Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark lineups, which looked really good, minus eight. They really? got outscored by eight points in those minutes mm-hmm. on the floor together. That was really surprising to me. It felt like those lineups, like w- when they had those two out there, yep. and especially when that defense was was swarming and switching, Minnesota had at least five possessions this game where they like took a shot clock violation or just yep. threw it out of bounds at the 24 because they yep. just had no idea what to do with it. It looked terrible at times. Yeah. So it was all in the second half, too. Hmm. Like they lost those minutes. That's a big deal here. One of the reasons that I like the the wolves in this matchup was I game planned out this whole Steven Adams, like the front court thing. Like, okay, Adams has to play drop and you're going to get hurt by the wolves playing drop. So then you're going to go, all right, we'll just go small and we'll switch everything. But then when you do that, inherently you lose one of Memphis's big advantages, which is the offensive glass. Like this is, this has been a, a, a one, honestly, a theme for the weekend and the, and the next game we'll talk about too, yeah. which is this whole idea of like, well, you know, they're so good on the offensive glass. It's the playoffs. Everyone tries now. Like these little margin advantages that are so cute and good for you. And you have to be able to score in the half court. This is playoff basketball. Like you can win a game if you're pretty good in the half court, but they're better if you kill them on the offensive glass. You cannot win a playoff game if your defense is getting torched in the half court and you're getting offensive glass, like it just doesn't work. And so then they go small and now the wolves are countering with Nasri, Carl Anthony towns and Jared Vanderbilt. And your advantage is gone. Like the wolves aren't small. So um, my cap remains the same on this. I'm not adding to the wolves. I already have a big enough position on, on both of them, like where I'm at. But um, I do think despite the numbers that Brandon Clark needs to play a lot, I wonder what kind of like how we'll see. I'm expecting a big bounce back on Memphis in game two. We'll talk about that game tomorrow on tomorrow's pod. Um, I will, I'll be betting Memphis just because it's the snap. Like it's the usual home team loses. Can't go down. Oh, two. Yeah. The wolves will definitely be in like, we got the split. It's fine. 
Like the Wolves, I think will probably make a game of it first half, but I think Memphis probably runs desperation in that second half. There, there were some of the things that we talked about. Like I, I talked about worried about the the discipline sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. The wolves are sloppy at times. Like yep. the wolves, when they look good, they look great. When they were sloppy, it got bad. And like their sloppiness is why this was a game at all. They really should have won relatively comfortably with yep. how well they played when the good stuff was happening. But they have the turnovers, they have the runouts, the easy, easy stuff, the easy shots at the rim. Grizzlies had 43 free throws in this game, which yep. is just the same old thing with Minnesota. So yeah, if you if you look at like some of the different shot quality sort of metrics out there, Memphis comes up looking way better in this one. Ant hit a lot of big shots in this one. Uh Beasley had a huge game and basically hasn't done much of anything for most of the season. So it does seem like this is a spot for the pendulum to swing back heavily the other direction, at least in game two. I think the series I saw is plus 115 Minnesota and minus 140 Memphis or somewhere in that range. If you were a new better right now, I know you've already got your Minnesota position, but do you still find value on Minnesota at near even odds up one Yes. I do not like this matchup for all the reasons that the way that it played out, like I think the Wolves did not play as well as they can, and they won this game, and they won this game by double digits. I'm not saying it's going to be a sweep. I'm not saying they're going to win game two. I think that the one of the bigger issues here is I don't know how, like, the counter moves. I see stuff that Wolves can still do. Part of this was, the reason this was close at all was the Wolves came into this game and played drop versus jaw. And I was like, what are you doing? You know, like I was like, like I'm, I'm a Memphis fan. And I was like, what are you doing? You're going to get killed. Why would you do this? I really was just like stunned. Like they played 35 soft possessions, which is draw. They played 35 of those. So when you actually kind of get to, to look at this, um, they can actually play a lot more. I'm sorry. That was, that was the um, Memphis number, but the Wolves switched 17 times and played drop 18. They only showed on 10. They can send harder doubles at Jaw, and it frustrated him second half. So if you're coming into this, this cold, I do think there's still value on Minnesota. I don't think this was a fluke. I don't think this was a nervousness. I think this is a bad matchup. Yeah, I don't think it's a fluke. My takeaway from this as a Wolves fan, but as you know, a nihilistic sports fan who only expects the worst at all times, in my notes, I have the Wolves can and maybe should win the series. Like you're up 1-0. You've got the three guys, the three stars that are playing well. I would say, though, one caution, we both seem like we're on Memphis's side for game two. That's a pretty obvious spot. If that's the case, then don't bet on Minnesota to win the series right now. Wait till after game two. You're going to get a better price. That's the only Good thing. Good point. Uh, third game of the weekend, I had Sixers. And they took care of business. Scotty Barnes, uh, unfortunately, Joel Embiid steps on his foot. He is doubtful for this game. Gary Trent Jr. is doubtful. He is sick, which makes a lot of sense because the way that he played was pretty nausea-inducing, but I'm sure that he was actually just under the weather. Um, (laughs) Trent was 2 of 11 in that game. Tyrese Maxey, I said, I don't really care how Harden plays. I think Tyrese Maxey can have a, a huge series. He opens up with 38 points. 14 of 21 shooting. They were doubling Harden and leaving him open. They'll rebalance. 
the game two is going to be the tough one for the Sixers. The Raptors are going to hit them with everything, even if they're shorthanded. But look, I thought we were, I thought everyone was overthinking the series from the get go. And again, trying real hard not to victory left after the game once a lot of series to go. I did not personally see anything in Sixers Raptors where I can look at that and go, well, okay, but well, you know, like I look at this and I go, hang on. So the Sixers absolutely cruise when Joel has 19 points and just 11 free throws. Like 11 is a lot for normal human beings. It's not a lot for Joel Embiid when he plays 37 minutes. He has 11 free throws. He shoots five of 15 from the field and he has 19 points and is a plus 16. Forget Harden. Again, don't care. 22 points on six of 17. Fine. He's going to have a bad series. Fine. But like you had Joel have that game and you still got worked. You got 24 from Siakam and you still got worked. I do not think the Raptors are who they have said that they were. I don't know if I feel like that's fair. Unfortunately, I don't know if we're going to find out an answer to that because Scotty, I mean, Scotty's playing like 37 minutes a game from March forward here. We're not seeing Scotty in game two. I don't know if we're going to see him again this series slash then this season. That's a, that's a tough injury. And he's not a guy that's had a lot of injuries to come back from before, which seems good, but actually is the opposite. Like when you get that injury, then it takes a little longer normally. So, and like, this is a team that we've said the whole time, they basically play like a six man rotation. And if you're playing and like one of those men is four men playing center, <laughs> like the lineup is down to Fred and OG and Siakam. And then like, just throw some big men out there and hope that they can do some stuff against Joel. So what I saw in this game is that I, I bet the under here RIP to that because I managed to bet the under on the Sixers perfect half of the entire season. But here's the first half, 44 possessions, 69 points. God. That is very nice. Very 1. nice. 1.57 points per possession. They had 15 assists, no turnovers against the number one turnover defense. They shot over 50% on threes, 39% offensive rebounding. They had 31 from Tobias and Maxi. They finished with 64 points from Tobias and Maxi. They hit 50% of their threes. That like that's it. The Sixers, if they do that, they're gonna win every game. Then go full, 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 full if Maxi and Tobias are gonna play like that because nothing else matters. Like Harden and Embiid can just lollygag along and let those two put up huge points. But that doesn't necessarily mean, well, that happened in game one. It's going to keep on happening. So I would love if the Raptors were healthy, I would love this as a bounce back game two spot for them because it feels like we all thought we like Sixers going into game one and then they looked absolutely awesome. We know that James Harden and Joel Embiid, but especially Harden, we know that he plays well after rest and he just got a week off. So of course this was going to be a good spot to have them. They got a week of practice, which for this team is a big deal because they haven't had time together. They only, they've only been playing for a couple months together. So it made sense that they were good in game one. I wouldn't think that they're DOA after game one because of the numbers, but the injuries on the Raptors, my bet on this series was over five and a half games. I wouldn't necessarily be off of that from what I saw in game one. The injuries, though, make me really honestly sad about the series 
I like, I feel like the sweep is in play and I feel like Philly in four or five is, is, is where you would be leaning right here because I, I just don't know if Toronto has the bodies. So I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet Toronto on the, on the spread anyway, on, on game two, even with the injuries, like Trent may feel better. And if Trent shoots, then they can, they can hang. Scotty's going to win rookie of the year, which is good for him and bad for me, considering how much I have on Mobley. I hedged at the end, but not enough. Um, you still can get Barnes at a plus number at the end of the season, which was nice. Uh, I think that the Raptors will give it a really good go. I just, <laughs> so here, here's part of it. Um, you, you look at it and you go like the Sixers were perfect offensively. They're not going to do that again. Um, the Raptors had a 126 offensive rating. I don't think they're doing that again either. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Like the Although Raptors. We, the, the whole second half is basically garbage time. So like, well, it's hard is, to I'm know doing, what we do. I'm doing playing the glass. So, oh, well. um, yeah, like, <laughs> they're factoring that out. Yeah. Like wrapped. And here's a lot of it is like the, the Raptors can get offensive rebounds because again, everyone tries now. Yeah. Everyone's trying now. Like the Raptors tried really hard in the regular season championship grit. Everyone tries now. Now, yeah. again, the Raptors can very well win game two and push this. But what I feel like is that this is very Sisyphusian. Like they're going to have to be pushing the, the rock up the hill. And I think eventually it's going to get too much for them. I just don't think that they have enough. Um, they got a good Siakam game. I don't know that I can count on Siakam every single game. Um, there was a lot of good stuff for the Sixers in, in this beyond just the scoring. I actually thought Tobias Harris defended really well. Um, OG and Obi wound up with really good points. But when I went back and watched like the where, where they lost the lead, like where the game got away from them, and Obi had turnovers and bad defense and just like, it was really rough. Um, I continue to, to kind of be like, always kind of tilting my head at OG Ananobi, who I like, I know has a stellar reputation. And yet whenever I watch him, I'm just going to like, eh. the, the Raptors could still win the series. It basically goes maxi cools down. Harden continues to struggle and beat has a monster game, but the Sixer, but the Raptors like grit it out in game two, like against all odds championship, never underestimate the heart of a champion, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, and then they win game three. Cause they're going to win game three. And then it comes down to game four and whether the Sixers can respond like this could very quickly turn. Honestly, here's part of it. They everything is set up so well for the Sixers. I don't want that as a Sixers backer. That's not what I want. The better things are going for them, the worse that they're going to collapse. That makes me nervous. I want it to just be like average. So. So, So what you're telling me is. Sixers win game two, Raptors win game three, Sixers grit out a close win in game four, and then go up three games to one. Doc Rivers, what could possibly what could go possibly wrong? Possibly go wrong. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on Warriors Nuggets. No. Um, I bet the sweep. I bet 4-1. I bet both of those. I took Warriors minus two and a half. I have Warriors and parlays on series lines. There was never any question to me that the Warriors were going to win this game. Michael Malone's terrible in game ones. Uh, he's two and six. He's terrible in game ones. They always are, are bad. It takes them a while to adjust. I don't know how they can adjust. There's no adjustment I can see. There's nobody they can turn to off the bench. Maybe Jamal Murray plays in this series. I doubt it. If he does, it's going to be on a minutes restriction. The only reason this game was close was because Kerr was basically very smartly hiding the death lineup. He brings Steph off the bench, off the minute restriction. He keeps it away. He keeps the death lineup away until just this last few minutes of the first half when Jokic is tired and then hits him with it. And that, that was the game. And then they never recovered. They can't counter that. Jokic was six of 14 from the field with Draymond defending. That's not good enough. Will Barton had 24 points and they got absolutely annihilated. Like yeah. Will Barton had 24 points and they got annihilated. Aaron Gordon was bad. 
I don't know that you can count on Aaron Gordon, Will Barton to sync up and have a good game in the same game. And none of that matters because the Nuggets had a 113 offensive rating and they got blown out. They scored points on the Vaunted Warriors defense and it didn't matter because they can't stop anybody. And they especially can't stop this Warriors offense when it is at the tempo that it's at. I do not have a formula for what a game two win looks like. I can see the Nuggets hanging. I'm not going to bet it because I just don't want to. I just don't, I don't have any strong feeling either way on it, but I think this is four or five at most. I think it's probably four. I think this is a sweep. Yeah, I took it at plus 750 on the sweep and I'm feeling pretty good about that bet after we saw game one. Uh, I, I agree. I think that, you know, it's Jokic. He's awesome and he's going to, they're, they're going to try. They're going to show up and I wouldn't be surprised if they hang for a while, but I think if they do hang, that's a great, great spot to go Warriors home third quarter and bet the bet the third quarter. Like that is just classic Warriors that all the numbers they're lined up for this year. So yeah, Warriors had 124 half court offensive rating through three quarters in this game. And by the way, Steph wasn't even really that good. Didn't hit a shot until almost halftime. But Jordan Poole is a stud, looked awesome. Uh, one surprising takeaway for me, we get a lot more Gary Payton and Bielitsa in this one than I expected from either one, especially in this series. So for me though, here's the takeaway. I'm going to wait another game or two because I want to make sure that I'm not totally convinced Steph is healthy, healthy yet, but maybe he's just ramping up. But I think the Warriors look like the title favorites. Like it, if this is how they're playing and if Steph is healthy Steph again, I think they look like the title favorites. I think they should be picking with, with sons. I think you have to give the sons enough respect. I think that you'll get value on the warriors. Bet. Like we, I've been betting warriors. A lot of people have been betting warriors. Um, I think you have to respect the sons enough to, that's fair to not say that they should be plus. Like I, I can't, I can't put the sons at plus money. <laughs> They're just too good. We'll talk about them <laughs> in a second. Now on the sleeper sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that's the only app where I can join my buddy's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to write it out together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Make sure to use promo code BUCKETS and Sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download Sleeper and use promo code BUCKETS when you deposit. Term and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Okay, back to the show. Um, Sunday's games. Everyone in action loved the Hawks here. And we had talked about the whole, like I had actually talked about like, Hey, I actually think there's something to coming off the play in normal schedule day off. And then you play, it's just like another game. The other team doesn't have enough prep for you. But when I saw like, I was saved by the spread, which if it had been 10 and a half, I would have bet Hawks with you. But at six and a half, I was like, no, no, sir. I do not want any part of this. Because the the Heat are going to switch everything, and the Hawks are not prepared for going from Charlotte 
to the Cavs to this game. Like this is a whole other tier as somebody with several heat futures. This was, this was very encouraging for those. Like I've got bucks and heat as my, my biggest positions here. And I liked a lot of what we saw at Miami. They just look like they had that sun's thing of just, everybody's really good. Just good defense. Butler making things happen. Duncan Robinson hitting threes, hitting layups, exploiting mismatches. Like, just a really good basketball team across the board. So, yeah, so I bet Atlanta here. It uh, it lost. I lost the bet. <laughs> I lost it bad and real fast. I am not ready to be totally out on Atlanta yet. I, I certainly don't like them better after this because that was rough. But, like, the first half was just a shooting avalanche. Just before halftime, I think the Heat were 10 of 17 on threes. And the Hawks finished the half two of 19 on threes. And the 19 is good. The, the Hawks are getting their shots up. The two is real bad, real bad. Trey Young finished with eight points in this game. Clearly, Atlanta's drawing dead of Trey plays like that. Like, they can't win without him. They don't have anyone else that can attack off the dribble, and they need something else more there. But the Heat, I thought we're getting better looks and not enough effort from the Hawks. I wonder, you know, it's a Sunday early tip time from a Friday night play-in. And I did worry a little bit about that, but the shot quality, like the Heat should have won this game. The Heat were the better team. The Heat are the better team. But I don't think that the the margin reflected how, like it came as a, just a huge avalanche blowout. And I didn't feel like it was quite that. I felt like, huh. I mean, Duncan Robinson hit eight threes. P.J. Tucker was four for four on threes. Kyle Lowry hit two. Gabe Vincent hit two. It's an avalanche when the Heat make a three, and then you got to take the ball out under your own basket, and then you come down and you miss a three, and they're running out at the other end and scoring again. And I realize like that's the whole point. That's what the Heat do. That's what their metrics say is go ahead, take all the threes you want. You don't make them, and we do. Like that's what their season profile is. So I'm a little more worried that maybe I shouldn't have shrugged that off as much as I did, but I, I'm not ready to just throw them out entirely like i i think that i'm probably gonna have to bet them in game two still okay let me warn you off of it okay um via second spectrum the the atlanta hawks had a 49 percent expected effective field goal percentage they they shot 45 they only shot 3.6 percent worse than expected here what the numbers say is basically the opposite of what you're of what you're suggesting which is that like no, like the Hawks, like the Hawks had really poor shot quality and shot a little worse. Like they, they were they should have been really bad and they were awful. Um, now, the, the Heat, on the other hand. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, the Heat had a 51.8, which is not stellar. It's only two percentage. It's three percentage points roughly above where Atlanta was. That gap is significant there, but they also shot 63 <laughs> percent like the Heat. Yeah. The Heat obviously, the Heat yeah. obviously had a hot shooting day, one hundred percent, right? But what we have to do when we look at those two numbers, then is then we go back to the offensive rating, which uh, Second Spectrum's got it at ninety five point eight for Atlanta and one nineteen point eight for yeah. the Heat. So let's take the Heat down to one ten, and let's bring up the the Hawks to one hundred, and you're still looking at a ten point loss per hundred possessions. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I get, I get it. And you're right. Like those numbers are not great. I just, I feel like 
we sometimes forget to account for like that, how much the, you know, once the snowball starts rolling yeah, sure. and you miss the shot and then you're scoring on the other end, and you miss another one and you, you, it's, it just gets away from you really fast, especially in today's league with so many threes. And so like flip a couple of Miami threes, hit a couple on the other end. And it's not just that the margin swung that six points. It's that like you, you cut your breath and it slowed things. I just, I, I'm not ready to bury them on Miami hit everything. Duncan, like, look, this is going to be Atlanta's worst shooting game of the postseason and Miami's best shooting game of the postseason. Okay. I can't draw too huge of a conclusion based off of that. I will say this. Um, there is a fairly big trend that says that whenever you have a team shoot the way that the heat did, that you should fade them in the next game. Um, they, mm-hmm. they are just below that threshold. It's 23s. If a team hits 23s, basically the trend says that you can hit 63% of the time betting against them in the second game, and the under almost always hits too. Um, regular season playoffs, whatever. So, like, maybe there's an angle there. I'm not going to bet it just because um, I think that the variance on this is really wide because of the number yeah, of threes that are involved. We talk about, like, how good the Heat offense was. If you're not facing any resistance, you get really quality looks. Yeah. Like, you're hitting, you know, so I don't know. Um, I, the, if you're looking for the team that looked too good in game one to fade, it's between them and the Sixers, I think. I think those are the two teams that you oh. look at and you go, okay, one of those two teams is probably not going to like going to be right for an upset because they look so good in game in game one. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about the big marquee events of the weekend. An aw- absolutely one. awesome game, a weird game. Jalen Brown kicks it out. Smart fakes inside. Tatum spins and it's up The Boston Celtics win on a twisting off the catch game winner from Jason Tatum. Phenomenal game. Kyrie Irving was spectacular. Kevin Durant was mortal. Uh, Jason Tatum with another absolutely primetime performance. 31 points, 9 of 18 shooting, 8 assists for Tay. Horford goes for 20 points in Bruce Brown's face. Bruce Brown in this game, 5 points. One rebound, two assists, and a minus 13. Man, he should have kept his mouth shut. Poor kid. Uh, Jalen Brown also goes for 23. They get Marcus Smart for 20. They got really good balance in this one, and that helps stave off Kyrie's 39. They got a good game uh, from Nick Claxton, who brought them a lot off the bench. Seems to be who they're going to probably have to go to in this one. So we, we debated this one a lot. I had Nets plus four and a half. That hit. I had Nets money line. That hurt. Hurt real bad. That's that thing. <laughs> Hurt real bad, but I'll live with it. It was a great game. Um, we debated this one a lot in the series preview. Do you feel any different now than you did then? I do. My position before the series was that I felt pretty strongly about the Celtics. I still feel solid about the Celtics. They're up a game. How can you not feel good about the team that won a game and still has home court in the series? but I did not give the Nets enough credit for just having Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That's it. They have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, Somehow I forgot. I should have given them more credit for having Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. This game is why you tank and don't get the two seed and don't risk playing this team. This is why you don't want to play the Nets because all the flaws were there. Like they, they didn't defend very well. They got hammered on the glass. Celtics had 14 more rebounds. They had 
14 offensive rebounds. That's not really a thing I expected from Boston. And Kevin Durant didn't even have a good game. And you still nearly stole the game on the road because Kyrie Irving just did Kyrie Irving things in the fourth quarter. 39 points, like you said, five rebounds, six assists, six threes, five stocks, basically hit the game winning three until the layup took the game winner away from it. But like my takeaway is this. I still don't want to bet on the Nets, but I'm not real excited to bet against the Nets anymore either. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, I, this game does not have me like bet Nets futures. Um, I've gone back and forth. What I don't know tonight when we record this on Sunday night, what I don't know is whether or not this is the game that I should look at and go, Hey, you have this Nets position to win the series and they lost the coin flip. Yeah. So the next time that you get a chance to, you should like, if they win game two, whatever, you should probably just hedge out of this. KD goes nine to 24 with six turnovers. They were really physical on defense. They really got into it. They were, they did a really good job. I don't like to do the, that's not going to happen again. I don't right. Like not Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant though. And how many, how many times, just like, just off the top of your head, think about Kevin Durant playoff games. We've seen a few, right? Yeah. How many times do you remember Kevin Durant scoring fewer points than shots he had in the game? I don't remember that happening a lot of times. Maybe the Memphis series is the only thing I can remember. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the response from a Celtics fan would be like, well, look, is Irving going to score 40 every game? And my answer would be like, it's honestly a coin flip. I have no way to determine what, what yeah. Kyrie's going to do. We don't know if Kyrie will show up next game. We don't know anything about Kyrie. Look, We're not betting on that angle. <laughs> here's a here's another reason why I actually still I really like the the Nets and I'm fine with my position. Again, not adding. If we look at this and we kind of track down everything here, the Celtics won the points in the paint battle. They had 56 points in the paint to 32. Okay, for for the Nets, they had more offensive. Second chance points. They had a, a ton of second chance points in this game. Like the Celtics won all of the little margin things. Right. So they win. And for a while they were, they had, uh, and they finished with more threes. The Boston Celtics made more threes than the Brooklyn Nets. They had uh, 18 second chance points to 11 for Brooklyn. They had 21 fast break points to 17 for Brooklyn. They had, as I said, 56 points in the paint to 32. For the Nets, they were even in points off of turnovers. The Celtics have one more point off of turnovers. All of this, and you needed a Tatum game winner. All of that. All of that. Kevin Durant has a miserable game. Al Horford goes for 20. Jason Tatum has a monster game. I expect him to have monster games. That's fine. Okay. You win points in the paint, second chance points, and you hit more threes. And you win by one. Like hard. Yeah. Yeah. And now this could just be like the perfect storm, right? Like, the yeah. Net, like yeah. And, and also like in mid third quarter, you're up 15. So all, all of that and you're up comfortably and winning the game. And then all of a sudden Kyrie Kyrie's and uh, suddenly the nets are ahead in like three minutes, which is the whole, why you don't want to play the nets in the first round thing. And, and we didn't say this either. Kevin Durant, nine of 24, six turnovers, three assists. That final Brooklyn possession when Boston sends a great double team, they get out of Kyrie's hands, goes to KD, nothing on the shot clock. He twists away from Tatum, takes one of the patented Durant fadeaway threes. 
every person on the planet thought that shot was going in yeah. and that it was over. We all thought it was going in because it's Kevin Durant. This is the whole point. Like every shot he takes looks like it's going in. And that's why it's terrifying to play this team and to bet against this team. But I'm encouraged at last Celtics possession. You can't make too much of just one possession, but like every season before this season, Marcus Smart pulls up and takes that shot. Marcus Smart does not make that last pass. Jason Tatum doesn't like make that cut and finish there. This Celtics team to have four 20 point scores and to be that evenly spread out, like all the, yeah, the Celtics won this and this and this, that's true, but they didn't have that big Tatum game or the big Jalen game. Like they just all did their thing. You don't have four 20 point scores in a playoff game very often. Like, the way that they were so balanced, the way that they won on that final play by spreading it around and doing a team play, like this Celtics team is different. This is a different team than we saw early in the season. It's different than we saw last season. So I, if I have a Celtics future, even though that was a close game, I feel good about it because I feel like this is one of those wins that if you, you already, you're 29 and six in your last 35 games, and then you win this to start your playoff run, the Celtics are going to sleep right now, believing they're winning the championship this year, 100%. Yeah, I don't know. I I look at all this, and I'm just like, you're going to need more. The other thing I'll say is the Nets have counters here, like more Claxton, less Drummond, more small ball. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of guys I can see having better games from, from the Nets than I can say having better games from Boston. I think I'm still, I feel okay about my, about my Brooklyn position, but we'll see how it plays out. Maybe this will be the one that, that, that decides it. The Nets defense really is terrible. It's going it's to be a great series. Like there, there are other series I was more excited about, and then I'm a little disappointed. Like this one, I was kind of, I think I was just for my own sake, put, trying to temper some expectations. It's going to be a fun one. Like you, you got to tune in and see every minute of that series. Especially to find out what Kyrie does next to the Boston crowd. Um, <laughs> that time of year again, Brandon where I foolishly trust the Bucks to make wide open shots and the Bucks once again, take my money. Uh, that's, that's I knew a, this was coming. That's that special time of year where they get out to a nine out start and I'm, I've got a nine and a half ticket and I'm just like, <laughs> finally, finally a breeze. No problem in this one. There's no matchup advantages for the bulls. What could possibly go wrong? And the Milwaukee Bucks actually wound up with about an even effective field goal percentage expected at 49.7%. They shoot slightly worse at 46. The Bulls shoot just horribly enough for the Bucks to get the win at home. My takeaway from this, as painful as it is, given what it's like to actually bet and watch on this Bucks team, my takeaway is honestly that you like if you were on the fence, you should bet them to win the title because this is who they are is they're just, they're never going to impress you and they're just going to get by no matter what Mike Budenholzer does, like benching Giannis Antetokounmpo on a defensive <laughs> possession late in the game, making my head explode. Um, they're going to make it very difficult, but Raheem's going to rant about DeMar DeRozan next time that we talk about the series. Oh yeah, he is. Oh my God. DeMar was Costco so Kobe out here. I felt so <laughs> bad for him. Um, Six of 25, 18 points. I, I, I kind of look at this one a little bit the same way that we look at the, the Bucks Heat series. Not The Heat were a much better competition last year and a much better team. But 
the Bucks had that panic moment. They got past it and they took care of that series after winning the first one. Yeah. I kind of feel like this was the game where if Chicago was going to tilt this thing and be like, whoa, they needed to have this one and they couldn't get it. I agree. The, the Bulls are not going to win the series because it, to have had any chance of pulling it off, this was the game you have to win when you have a shot at it. So, so there's that. They have to start there. But I, I was going to ask you the same thing about the Miami series last year. Yeah. It was like, same thing. Like they, they shot, couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Just tear, just ugly. Like look at the numbers today. 21 turnovers for Milwaukee. They shot 10 of 38 on three-pointers, 26%. They shot 65% from the line. And at the end of the third quarter, Giannis is plus 18 in the game in a three-point game. <laughs> so every time Giannis came out, it was just like just a feeding trough for the Bulls. And yet the Bucks win. <laughs> so yeah. your takeaway was, yeah, this is who they are. This is why, if you like them, why you should like them. They were my title favorites coming into the game. And I, I come away being like, yeah, they yeah. are still the same bucks, but, but not like my takeaway is different than your. Yeah. Your yeah is yeah. They're the title favorites. This is who they are. This is what they do. Mine is. I thought that we decided that they like weren't this anymore and that they overcame everything. And now they're the mighty bucks were the champs. And no, this no. is just the Bucks. It's yep. still the Bucks. They still miss all the shots and play the defense and then are like, Giannis, do some stuff. And then Giannis does some stuff. And then they just barely do enough. And that's really, really not fun to bet on. It's really not fun. Yeah, I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm staying away. I'm staying away game two. I need to take a break from betting the Bucks. It's too, <laughs> honestly, just because it's too stressful. Like it's it is just, stressful. It's just so stressful when you're just like, yeah. why is Chris Middleton four of 13 from the field? Why is Drew Holiday six of 16 from the field versus the fucking Bulls? Why is this a thing that's happening? Why are they relying on Brooke Lopez? What is happening? How, how, so, how does Chris so, Middleton have seven turnovers? What about this? You talked, we talked beforehand about what's the advantage for the Bulls. And we had a hard time finding one. And then we stopped talking about them. You said that the thing they need to do was shoot more threes. They took 37. They took yep. 37 threes. They yep. only average under 29 in the regular season, last in the NBA. They missed them all. They only <laughs> hit seven of 37. Yeah. So 19%, not great, but they took them. That's good. And, and uh, boy, you don't like to hear this as a Bulls fan, but I think we found an advantage. It's Vucevic. And stretching the defense out, like Brooke Lopez looked uncomfortable and looked unplayable at times because of the way that Vooch was playing. And then Vooch did the Vooch thing where he missed like 17 layups. And that was that. Well, he was two he of 10 seven of 17 too. on twos and two of 10 on threes. But don't forget seven of 17 on twos. That's worse. It's you can miss threes. Everyone misses threes. You can't be a seven foot dude and shoot seven of 17 on twos yeah. in a game where your team needs every bucket. But there was something there. Like, if you want to believe the Bulls can win the series, Vooch is the key player for better and for worse. And boy, is it for worse as a Bulls fan. But there's something there. I think they need to lean into it. Yeah. I mean, Zach Levine, 2 of 10. DeRozan, 6 of 25. For the, like, the Bucks defense was good. You know? Like, the Bucks defense was, was good. Yeah. The, but the Bucks... Yeah. They're still giving up so many threes. Like they gave up all these three. I was, it was a good judgment from Billy Donovan. It's just like, 
the Bulls couldn't hit any of them. I don't know. I I'm I'm putting the series aside. I've got my bets on the series. I'm willing to lose them if the Bucks screw around. I don't. I just want to leave this one alone for right now. So just not not betting on it. Just just because we we make predictions. Last year, when the when the Bucks did this against the Heat and screwed around, but then Chris hit the shot and they got the win anyways. Which, by the way, I think I saw online. If not for winning this one late and that shot, Bud would be on a seven game one losing streak right now. Like that's it. <laughs> so not great. However, we might recall the Bucks swept the Heat, and like that was the one chance for the Heat to sneak through the door, and then it got slammed shut real hard and it got ugly after that. Do you think that that still is in play here in this series? Yeah, because I think like there's a lot of things that Bud did here that were, and Bud does a lot of things that drive you nuts. <laughs> but I also think the Budenholzer is getting better at stopping screwing around. That's why this game is so frustrating. It's like, why are you screwing around with this game? Like what, you know, like I get that you can't play Giannis 45 minutes. I get that. I understand that he only plays 33 minutes in this one. I get it. Um, foul trouble is part of that too, but there's a lot of things that I felt like that they did in this game that they can kind of put the hammer down a little bit harder in the next game. And I feel like there's upside for, I, I do think the bucks can, can throw a much faster pitch in game two and game three. And if they go up three, Oh, it's over. So yeah, I agree. Uh, final game. Speaking of, of going up three Oh and it being over. <laughs> yep. Uh, final game of the weekend. The Phoenix Suns defeat the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't have a lot of takes on this one, man. Like I didn't bet the <laughs> series. I haven't bet. I, I bet 10 and a half and lost by a point. I'll take it. Like I think the cap, I think the cap was right. That's too many. It was too many points delay. Um, Chris did Chris things. CP three was in, was point God in the fourth quarter took over, dominated like eight consecutive possessions, incredible performance. I don't think the Pelicans are good enough to get a game. I don't think the Pelicans can change up their scheme enough to do what they need to do. I think the Pelicans need Zion Williamson back. And I don't think that the, I think the Suns, the other thing I will say is the way it felt in this game was the Suns came out in first gear. And then like, that's just pretty much where they stayed. Like they just, I would say that they never really like, they didn't ramp this up. They didn't really like absolutely put the hammer down on this one. They did not, this wasn't an absolute destruction. That's what I think is most impressive about this is the Pelicans got it close. They got to six, but the Suns really just like competent high level execution the whole way. And they win the game by 11. So yeah, it it never, ever for a moment felt in question, no matter how close it got. Look, we we're, we're recording this immediately after the game. I don't know about you, but I was pretty happily like looking through my notes and prepping everything for the podcast and catching up on a few other things, getting a couple emails out like, oh, yeah, this sun's up back to 12 again. It's like, yeah. we just, you know what's happening because the suns are that good. Uh, the sweep was plus 230 going into this game. Yeah. That was a big mistake because like you're basically, they're going to come out and win game two at home in Phoenix. They're going to do it. And now you're basically just playing a plus 230 on a game three money line on the road because you go in that game and you're up 3-0 and the Pelicans are not coming out. Like this, we were done at that point. Yeah. So uh, I'll be looking, if you haven't played that yet, I don't think the odds are going to have moved that much because basically this game played out right at expectation. So, you know, the Suns got the win, but I don't think it's going to move a ton. So I, I like that. I played the Pelicans team total under here. 
They didn't crack 100 points despite 25 offensive rebounds in this game. Valanciunas had 13 himself. 25 rebounds, but 13 offensive. You know the Pelicans shot on two-pointers in this game? They were 27 of 72, 37% on two-pointers. That's a ton of twos. They didn't get threes up. They weren't making them anyway. They got all those shots because they had a huge, huge rebounding advantage with all the offensive rebounds, and they still didn't score 100. Like, Aiton was awesome defensively in this game. The Suns were great defensively. Mikel Bridges is up for defensive player of the year. He's one of the three finalists. So I played Pelicans team under. I'm going to keep playing it. I don't think they can score on this team. If you can't even have 100 when you're at 25 off- offensive rebounds, like you, you're you in big trouble. So the, the, the takeaway here is uh, whenever game five is scheduled, I'm going to make plans for that night. Warriors right now are plus 230 to lose in the conference finals at BetMGM. Hmm. Do we think that that is longer or shorter than what the series price will be? I would imagine it's probably going to be like minus 125. Well, it'd probably be minus 150 plus 125, something like that with Suns Warriors. I think it'll be pretty close to a pick with an edge towards the Suns with home court. Like, do we think? Yeah, cer- certainly plus 230 is certainly longer than it would be at series. Right. So basically, like if you assume if we assume that the Suns are going to win, are going to make the conference finals. And if you think the Warriors are going to are going to get there. And for me right now, this is shaping up exactly that way. Like I like the Warriors more if they don't have to face Memphis and the Wolves. Obviously, it's long series to go, but they're up one. Oh, it's a good start. Right. And even if they don't like the fact that the Grizzlies struggled so much versus the Wolves is probably a good sign if you for the Warriors to be able to get past them. So if you right now for the Warriors to basically if you if you assume it's going to be Suns Warriors, you can get Suns at plus 230 by betting Warriors to lose in the conference finals and then you can play Warriors to win as a hedge if it gets there. Is that, is that am I am I galaxy braining this? Like that, yeah, that's that's there's a lot of math happening on that. And I, I, I feel like it's I feel like we're a little galaxy braining it. Just the, I mean, look, we're one game in. We've played one game so far. Yeah. And we we want we want everyone to stay healthy and do well. But Chris is Chris. Steph is coming off a, a month away. Draymond is coming off a back injury. Like I just after one game, I like I know we think that Suns Warriors in play. And everything we saw from the first weekend only supports that right now. The Jazz look yeah, terrible. Yeah, it's one game. No, for like, sure. Lucas, like it's it all it's, set up well, but it's it's more just like I'm just looking lot. at the path. Like that's what I'm more concerned. I'm where at because I'm just like the Nuggets do yeah. not have a chance in the series. Like this, I, I think here here's here's my bigger concern besides the injuries and whatever else. Assuming the Warriors get to the conference finals, the further that the Warriors go, I think the more we're going to want to be on the Warriors side of the equation. Sure. Like, but then you can still bet like, we, they're still going to be dogs. Yeah, that's true. Well, here's the songs. They'll be dogs. Here's the other number. If you want this way, the Suns to lose in the conference finals is plus three fifty right now. If it's warrior Suns in conference finals, you're yeah. the warriors bets only going to be, it's not going to be an, I don't think it'll be above two. I don't. Yeah. 
this comes back to like you, you love to play the the finals matchups and I've never quite gotten there on, on the matchups thing just because it's a it's a double parlay. This is a conference finals matchup angle, basically. Like this is saying like the only both of these angles absolutely work if it's Suns Warriors. If it's anything else, then it's it true. went yeah. really badly. I hear you. It's just like I have to look at the whole board. If the parity yeah. was higher, if I looked at Memphis and I was like, I think Memphis can go toe to toe with Golden. And now I think Memphis versus Golden State's a very good matchup. I personally don't think they're getting there. And so, yeah. like, do I think the Wolves can beat the Warriors? I do not. I like the Wolves in this matchup, I but I don't think they're beating the Warriors. And, like, good God, Mavs, Mavs, Jazz versus Suns. Brandon, Chris could be hurt, and they could be okay there. Like... Hey man, I got my plus fourteen hundred ticket. I'm only I'm only eleven jazz wins away from that baby. Yeah, exactly. Cash, man. Yeah, that's exactly what Brandon, Brandon <laughs> bet the four after we had we we had the whole conversation about it. Brandon bet the fourteen to one jazz to win the Western Conference, and then as soon as they won in that pretty <laughs> unimpressive fashion, he goes into the slack and is like one down, eleven to go. So. Look, the, the Jazz don't have to be the best team in the West. They just have to be good enough to take advantage of whatever opportunities present themselves. And so I mean, like, far, Luca keep... has presented himself. We'll see what else happens. Yeah, I mean, if you want to keep it simple. Um... Ooh, okay. I do want to look at this, actually. Oh, Hang on. <laughs> I got one. Don't oh boy me. You come up with crazy ass <laughs> long shots all the time. We're, That's... we're an hour in. Our producers are going to kill us, and you're finding new bests to talk about. But yeah, I'm I just here want, for I just, it. I just want to throw this one out there before we go. Okay. Yeah. Steph's never won a finals MVP, right? Correct. Jordan Poole's 40 to 1. I got one better for you. Oh, no. I bet Jordan Poole at 200 to 1 before the playoffs started. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's going to wrap it up for buckets. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, We will be back with much shorter episodes throughout the week. We're going to be doing 30 minute breakdown episodes of the games uh, for the following day. So on Monday afternoon, you're going to get an episode that previews Tuesday. It might be Tuesday morning. You will have in your morning of the games a podcast that breaks down that night's games, best bets, angles, props. So make sure to check that out. Follow Action Network and NBA Bet. We're doing Twitter bet spaces. They were great on the weekend. We're going to be doing more of those in the weeks uh, to come. You can join in and give us your best bets. Follow Brandon in the Action Network app. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I'm Matt Moore. We'll see you guys again next time. Let's get buckets.